Kamusta Katanoomers? Welcome to Tanum Tuesdays, a podcast where we talk to folks around the Philippines about their gardens, farms, food forests, and anything and everything about Tanum, which means plants. Here are your Katanoomers in this podcast. I'm Joe. I'm Jinkin. I'm Marcel. And I'm Albert. And now, on with the show. Hello, Katanoomers. Welcome back to another episode of Tanum Tuesdays. We have another interesting conversation for you guys and gals. So this week, we talked to Mr. Nonito Dolera, or Mr. Noni. He is a past president and a current advisor of the Fern and Nature Society of the Philippines. He is a co-author of the book, Oops, Don't Throw Those Weeds Away. So yes, we will be talking about weeds. Edible weeds in particular, although Mr. Noni does mention some weeds that are and plants that are really poisonous. And I suppose this is the best time also to tell you, our dear listeners, that please, before you try to taste, even just to taste any of the plants that we talk about in this episode and in all of the episodes, actually, for that matter, please consult with your doctor or a, a health professional. We are only giving our opinions in these episodes and we really do not want you to be sick or to get hurt. So please be responsible and uh, don't take our episodes as professional advice. These are just for uh, general information purposes. Now that we have that disclaimer out of the way, Let's go back to our topic, edible weeds. For this episode, uh, we talked to Mr. Nonito Dolera, who has spent a lot of time traveling and hiking up our mountains and talking to our indigenous peoples up uh, in these mountains because they know. They know a lot about our plants, especially our native plants and the plants that we call weeds. We'd also like to send our thanks to... Uh, my father-in-law, my husband's father, Chinkin's father. Hi, Bolo, because it was his idea to have this episode on edible weeds. And it's it's really enlightening and illuminating. And, you know, you, can, you will never look at a makahiya plant the same way ever again after listening to this episode. So let's dive right in and hear about Mr. Noni's background, how he got into edible weeds, and the actual weeds that he knows about and he will share with us in this uh, interview. Enjoy! Thank you, Mr. Noni, for, for granting this interview with us here at Tanum Tuesdays. We will be discussing yeah, yeah. edible weeds, but before we get okay. into that, uh, it would be great if you can give us some background about yourself, uh, maybe where you grew up and and how and why you got into uh, the study of edible weeds. Ah, it's a long story. Actually, I, as I mentioned, I, I was raised in the province and I, I grew up in a farm. And uh, after high school, I... I persisted despite my parents' objection to study here in Manila because, you know, it's 
it's very glamorous to hear that they are studying in Manila, that's why. <laughs> and then uh, I, when I, I took up my Bachelor of Science in a major in accounting at the Far Eastern University. And then after passing the board, I proceeded to take up my MBA at the Ateneo. It was when I was taking my final years that I stumbled into the world of orchids that woke me up into the plant world because uh, we ran out of topic that was uh, uh, that was submitted to our professor who assigned us the task of making an original study that has never been studied before. And so we had we were given already the deadline that day. I happened to read a small inset on the business day publication before. And it mentioned the, the blooming exports from Adelaide, Australia. And it mentioned about orchids. So I remembered when I was in high school, even in elementary grades, my primary task was to take care of three orchid plants that were raised by my mother. Every time it rains, my, my task was to, to, to put the bamboo pole and put the plants directly under the falling uh, eaves of the house so it can be watered. So I just said, okay, just for purposes of beating the deadline, why don't we submit this topic? So I proposed the feasibility of exporting cut flowers and orchid plants from the Philippines. So we submitted it to our professor who was in the uh, General Ocampo, who was the one who set up the, the computer network of Camp Crami and Camp Aguinaldo. So when, when my professor read this in our class, who was composed of managers and senior officers in the corporations, my classmates, they all turned into a gopher work, very... We laughed loud and was, you know, <laughs> making jokes on me. I said, this guy is crazy. He must be, you know, we know of orchids only as a <laughs> in passing. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? And the, 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 the vice uh, rector of the school, the Ateneo, happened to pass by and asked the professor, Professor, uh, what is what is this rocos all about? Why are you all laughing? I said father, your favorite student is proposing a very funny subject to study. What is it? He's proposing to make a study on the exports of orchids, plants and flowers from the Philippines. Then father father Bumaisel said, What's funny about that? I want a serious study done on that. So I was I was surprised. I said, Don't you know that orchid industry is very used industry in Hawaii and Germany and France and Thailand, Bangkok and Taiwan. Oh, I didn't know about that, Father. <laughs> it just, it's just for beating the deadline that I gave the topic to, to Professor. So I said, no, I want a serious study done on that and I want you to report to me after one month the progress of your study. So that started us all because we there were five of us in a group. One was the son of a general who runs a computer school in Cubao. Another one was the chief accountant of Philippine Airlines. Then I was uh, 
assistant controller with the Yuchenko groups of companies, one of the companies of Mr. Yuchenko. And then one was the senior vice president of Malayan Insurance. So I said, where will we start our study? I don't know. There's, I don't know any anybody to ask questions about. Let's let's try, let's divide the group. So we divided two the group. You will take care of those plant shops in Kubao, farmers market. The other said you. There's a store, uh, an area in Baklana that sells plants on on Wednesdays and uh, Tuesdays. So we divided the group. I happened to be assigned in the farmers market area. And uh, I met an old lady. He was she was carrying a pot full of flowers. So I said, "Excuse me, ma'am. Uh, what what plant is that you're carrying? This is an orchid. Oh, really? Is that an orchid, ma'am? Said yes. What is that orchid called? Is it Cattleya? Oh, it's Cattleya. Very beautiful. Said, where where are you bringing that plant? So I'm bringing it to to my uh, the flower shop because I only sell the flowers. Oh, how much are you selling the flowers, ma'am, for this flower? It started the interview. You don't mind interviewing you? I said, no. Uh, how much? At that time, that was in 1970, the flower was already at 80 pesos per flower. Katleya. So I said, oh, so you have almost 12, flower, 12 flowers in one pot. So that's more than 800 pesos already. And those time, those days, 800 was 800, you know. So I said, yes. So I said, and then he, she invited me to her house in Balete Drive. I'll show you some more plants. Come to the house, have lunch with me there. So I went there. And then I, I really was uh, surprised to see so many orchids and cattleyas growing. I said, Mom, how much is this plant? I said, this one will sell about 700 to 1,000 per plant. Would you, you have so many plants, you're a millionaire already. <laughs> so that opened my mind. And uh, from one interview to another, I went to the house of Mr. Montelibano in uh, Green Hills. And he had an air-conditioned greenhouse, all walling-walling. And I was, I was really flustered by the prices he mentioned. <clears throat> he said, I don't sell locally. I sell only abroad. And my price is so much. How much is it? I don't want to give my price because I don't want you to tell the BIR I might be, they might run after me for not declaring my income. <laughs> give me a vicinity of how much? You put it roughly about, uh, a near a medium-sized plant will be cost you about 1,000 US dollars. Oh, blow me down. <laughs> so we went seriously until we finished the study. And it was a study that give us the only study I think that got a grade of A plus and the graduate school of Ateneo. And wow. my st the study was made as a case study in the graduate schools of La Salle, UP and Ateneo and AIM. So that started me and I got so interested. So after a year working with it, so working with the companies, 
I started thinking, I think I should go into it as a business to prove that there's money in it. So I went into slowly, slowly growing orchid in my apartment in Caloocan. Despite my wife's objections, she was so angry because every time it rains a little bit, the orchids go inside our bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I want to protect them, you know. And then slowly, some interested buyers started coming in and I was earning I said, this can be a good business then if if I go seriously into it. So I resigned from uh, the Ochenko group and started my small farm here in Antipolo. At that time, my place was just a forest. There was no Marcos Highway. There was no Sumulong High Highway. We had no electricity for 16 years. It was forested area. So my wife got more mad at me. So when, he saw, when she saw the place, I bought without without her knowing it. Said, in vernacular, she said, "Kung gusto mong mamundok, mamundok ng magisa. Hindi kami sa sama dyan. <laughs> That's how, how, I started. how old were you when you quit I, your job and then got the land? I quit my job when I was twenty, about thirty years old. Thirty years old. Wow. The land here then was cheap. Mm -hmm. I, I acquired my lot here for almost a hectare for only 25 pesos per square meter. And uh, I was able to get a loan from PDCP, Private Development Bank. And I started paying slowly, slowly until I was able to pay in full. And then later on, I became, I... I was also involved in the Orchid, uh, Philippine Orchid Society. I was elected vice president. And then uh, I represented the Philippines in international shows, bringing uh, flowers and plants from the Philippines. So the orchid, my orchid interest brought me to Japan, to China, to Singapore, Indonesia, Malaysia, Brunei, Thailand. And it opened a wide, uh, give me a wide perspective of orchids in general. And then, then I became president of the Friends and Nature Society. Without me knowing it, they elected me president, which I hold, which I held a position I held for seventeen years. And during this time, that's how. We happened to to come up with the idea of book the book. Oops, we were visiting gardens, nurseries. Uh, my my friends, the chairman of PNB, Flor Tariela, Orly Chauco, the sister of Nino Yakino, then uh, Mr. Miss Mrs. Carmen Florento, the wife of Jose Florento, who was the big, who was the COO of. Uh, Pricewaterhouse in the Philippines. So we, it was just a friendly visit to a nursery when Mao said, oh, this plant is a tal talinum. We, we used to have that during the war that saved us during the war that's used us for food and for making my mother used to make it as drinks for us. So sure, yeah, we used that for cooking also in the in Bohol. We use it to cook with, with uh, fish. And all this, and what is that? 
So I said, that one, this weed, that one, it, it's also edible. This one, these are all edible uh, weeds. So why don't, then Flor Tariela interjected. So why don't we write a book? So Filipinos will know those weeds are edible. I said, sure, why the, we, we work together. So that gave us the idea of putting up the book. And we finished the book in 30 days time. <laughs> Wow! Wow! That's amazing. Yeah, we we really worked with. Uh, we almost worked twenty four hours a day. I was doing all the research on all the plants that I know of. Then they were doing the other things uh, because they were not. Uh, They're not exposed so much to plants. They're more on the ornamental values. But I learned to appreciate some of the uses of these plants because my father was a barrio herbalist on the farm, you know, arbolario, wow. <laughs> which, I, which I used to quarrel with him when I was already in high school because I felt ashamed. What are you, you, are, you are giving plants like for people who are sick. What is your, you have no license to do that. Said, no, I'm not. I'm not, I don't, I'm not a doctor, I'm pra not a practicing doctor, I'm just giving them temporary aid, my father used to say. And uh, he told me one day, he said, look, one day will come in your life that you will regret why you don't want to learn about these plants. And talagang uh, I regretted not knowing all the things that he knew. Because he would just pick a plant, a bark of there, a leaf of this. And they worked wonders, you know. Or maybe because the people had trust in him. It was more like that, I think. But when I started studying in detail what these plants were, I think they were true because the Chinese were using it as medicine. The Thais are using it for food, things like that. So the idea of coming up with a book Except not only on weeds, but on trees and and other trees and palms and uh, beautiful ornamental plants that I use also for food. So that that was the background why we come, came up with the book Popes. Don't throw those weeds away. What an awesome story! From <laughs> actually from childhood, you were taking care of your mom's orchids. Yeah. And then, but the very first serious study of plants, about plants that you did, was already the orchid study. Yes, yes. But I was interested in plants because, as I said, I grew up on the farm. And uh, my, when my, my, my brothers and my parents would ask me to join, him, to join them to plow the fields, I would say, no, I don't want because I'm afraid of the leeches. <laughs> But I like to study. I cut, cut, cut some bougainvilleas. And I remember our house has a sort of a balcony. I had, when I was only in, uh, in grade five, in elementary, I had a collection of many bougainvilleas of different colors. So that, so that when the buses passed by the house, the bus driver would stop because the passengers would like to ask for a plant or so, I, which I just give, okay, you can grow this by the planting of this branch, you can get the branch of this. And, and uh, I remember it was, it was just something like playing. And my, 
when I when I was when I had no classes on Saturdays, I had a very specific assignment from my father and my uncle. They would tell me because you don't want to plow or help plow the field, I assign you to dig ten holes every day on Saturdays and Sundays. So why? So after you plant that you dig the hole on a Saturday, then on Sunday you get suckers of the bananas and plant this. So I that was my assignment. And I was able to buy all my requirements when I was already in high school and, and the higher grades because I harvested the bananas and sell them by our Sari Sari store on the highway. And they were, you know, they sell right away. Latunda and Lakatan and all those saba and it gave me my pocket money for I never asked for my father pocket money because I had pocket money on my own. So growing up, did your family also eat these edible weeds that yes. we have on a regular basis? Yes, yes, yes. Because every time when you know before so I grew up when the, there's a the drought comes we change the crop from rice to corn. And then when you plow the fields and plant corn, these weeds grow under the corn plants. And then my father would say, no, don't, don't pull those, this, this can be eaten. See, this one we can feed to the hogs. And all those, you know, those said, no, 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 don't, those are edible. I said, are you sure? <laughs> and then she, she, he would cook the weeds, you know, and, and they are quite nice. And up to now, I still long for those food, you know. Amazing. Do you remember how your father knew about them? I think he, he said it was a handover from her grandparents also. Because they, they were farm people, farm folks, and practically no read, no write. So they, they live on nature. So they want to, if they want to have sinigang, they would go to the nearby forested area and pluck the fruits of the batuan fruit and use it for sinigang or sampalok and that. And the alibangbang, the alibangbang tree. And this, I pick up all these things because I was interested, I was always with my father when he goes to the farm, but except I don't want to work to plow the field or plant the rice because I was so scared. And I was teased with, I always joke with him, Papa, I was not born to hold the plow, I want to hold the ball pen or the fountain pen. <laughs> I guess that's also one uh, aspect or one body of knowledge that we wish could be passed on. We feel like that knowledge is being lost over yeah. over generations. Yeah, because a lot of Filipinos nowadays, especially with the modern inventions, they don't know that. Like when we season for guavas, we go up the hillside and pick. There are different types of guavas, you know, the yellow fruit inside, the, the red fruit inside. Then there's a tiny, tiny, very mini, mini guava. And all those, all the young guys now don't know anything about it. Sad to say, even my grandchildren, they don't know about it. So those are things that 
if possible, I want to pass it on to the younger generations. And that was the first part of my interview with Mr. Nonito Dolera. That was really interesting, uh, knowing his background and how he got into edible weeds through a research project or his thesis for his MBA about orchids. Let's go to our Katanumers and see what they think. For me, I was just, wow, he really knows a lot of like these owners of these prominent businesses <laughs> and these big, he's mentioning name drop. Well, not, not hindi naman name dropping, but I was like, wow, he really, he's up there. He knows these people rubbing elbows um, because he's doing the MBA. So it was the first thought I, the first thing I thought was, it's nice that they're, they were encouraged to study more about plants and, and go into nature as these people who are in these, um, these businesses where they're not, I'm, I assume like, yeah, I assume that, when you're in business school, you're thinking about, you know, finances and how to run a business. So I thought that was nice that they gave that alternative just to open their mind. And I'm glad that Sir Noni kind of like it led him to this <laughs> a lifelong <laughs> journey into, into, um, um, into plants, which, which, which was great. Um, I was just wondering then about just like anybody who who sells and we mentioned in the in the previous episode about well briefly I did at the end um, about plant poaching and I, I, I was curious it, w- it was just a question in my head that I wanted to ask Sana but maybe I can ask him later or make a comment like um, how how people who want to sell orchids or native trees which is something I totally forgot to ask Leanne in the previous episode, but how can we make sure that it's sustainable? So I guess it's just always on the top of my mind now because that's um, what I see in the conservation sector. But other than that, I mean, so which is why I was glad that Cernoni went to edible weeds. <laughs> he went, he switched from orchids. But I mean, it really doesn't matter what you sell. We just have to make sure it's sustainable regardless, right? But I would assume um, that because weeds, they're like more prominent than orchids. I think orchids are a bit harder to propagate. Correct me if I'm wrong. And I liked that, that he was uplifting stories about these everyday plants that you see on the street, nakalat-kalat lang or whatever, but there's value in it. So I was really happy that, that he had that, he was expressing that, something that we all should know about. And he, this is actually towards the end of the interview, but he invited us, right, to his Antipolo farm. So maybe you guys can go since you're there. No, I was. I told Russell. I said when it's when it's like safe, let's let's try to go by there. I'm, and and you know what? He's from Bohol. Yung nga. He was sit, talking about Bohol nga. So I'm I'm curious. Yes. <laughs> you know, I was gonna bug you about that. Then if I could get his contact info, maybe down the line we could visit. And then, like, speak Messiah and <laughs> talk about Boholano weeds <laughs> or something. Yeah, definitely. I was so happy to know that he, he has a connection to my mom's home province. So, yeah. Uh, how about you, Rosel? Did anything stick out uh, from the first part to you? So, when he told us his story about being, about this topic being a, you know, just to meet a deadline in school. Um, 
of course you think that it's it's an accident but it's actually for me how it's how i'm processing it it's actually it, it's in the back of his head it's in actually it's been a part of his life um he grew up with in the farms in in bohol and he grew up around plants around um family uh generations of farmers and it's not an accident uh it's always been um in in his subconscious that this is something that he's interested in and i feel like just when he was you know wala nang oras may deadline na i need a topic it just came out um and i feel that's that's really interesting and again as albert said it this one thesis led to the rest of his life dealing with plants i mean taking care of a farm and a depot and everything so it just reminds me that it some things are not so much of an accident you know a lot your your childhood background your your um how you grew up where you grew up people around you they really influence the small decisions that you make in your life um i like that i like that he mentioned that his father was an herbalist an albulario and i grew up in the province i was really relating so much to that part when he says you know it was really cool to be to say that you're someone who studies in in manila cuz ganun ganun ang uh, mentality ng mga probinsyano um and you know i i related so much to that because um and and for him to realize that um he missed an opportunity also to learn from his his dad sayang but now i mean he's he has a whole life naman um that he dedicated to to plants and gardens and now edible weeds um so that's really interesting um our albularios they're seen as yunyakwak doctors and everything but i think they also have um they have knowledge that we can learn from the way we talk the way we think about you know indigenous medicine as well there's just I think we just have to be open to that. I know that in modern society um and and medicine of course there's um we we are focusing on research and everything but we also there's there's also like generations and generations of knowledge from uh these people uh that are passed on diba and especially for species na that have been around the the archipelago for the longest time and i'm saying this coming from you know someone who who thought then the albularios are we we thought about them a different way growing up um and now i'm i'm appreciating it more i'm i'm i think i had you know not not so good of an impression about them but now i'm i'm opening up my my mind to what they can contribute um and Yun. So I, I thought that was really interesting that he had that background and things are parang went full circle for him. So that was really inspiring. Yeah, I thought that was really bittersweet. Like it was a special memory that he shared with us, right? Like that was that was it was heavy and deep, right? Like you know, to be in this trade in this field now and then. 
know na he he grew up with a father who worked with plants and he was really against it at the time like when he was younger so i'm sure that's a that's a long personal journey right for him yeah and i guess the rest of his journey now is some sort of a like he's honoring his father in a way um yeah so i guess i i i think that's that's still um a re- that's a special thing to share uh, with with you and now with us in the interview. So another aspect of it was the weeds being medicinal, like you said, like how that is from indigenous knowledge, right? I'm curious as to what our doctor has to say about that. Thank you. So <laughs> I actually don't frown upon albularios. Um, there was a time I was in grade school, a classmate of mine who injured herself told me that she had to go to a Sorana. And I, what's a Sorana? And another classmate of mine tells me, oh, it's like an albulario. Tapos, papa usupan ka, they'll let you wear a clove of garlic, or they'll bless you with some prayer or some incantations. And for me, I had an inner understanding that this was an odd practice that had to be respected. Odd, because this was a cultural or personal belief that they knew would heal them. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, but it's only when you start dispensing medications that you know are problematic that can cause harm to the patient. So of course, you don't advocate for that. Each community back then would probably have their own albularios. The community would be close-knit and they would believe in those methods, correct? And it's also dependent on how the albulario thinks because I'm sure there are some who are educated or who have some form of critical thinking and have ways to document whether it's by oral tradition or through writings on what these weeds can do. The mere fact that weeds are edible means that it can feed us, feed the community, but it can also be indeed medicinal. In medical school, when you reach second-year pharmacology, you'll get to know of these substances, one of which is belladonna. Belladonna is a poisonous perennial, um, also known as the deadly nightshade. And belladonna literally translates to beautiful lady because what the substance in belladonna does, atropine, it allows your eyes to dilate. And if your eyes are dilated, oh, that's a pretty lady. She looks like a doll. And there's actually this diagram. It's called the anticholinergic toxidrome. And it actually comes with a poem, I would think, that you're mad as a hatter, red as a beet, full as a flask, dry to the bone. And it would correspond to you being confused, your skin is flushed, um, you need to retain your fluid. You cannot urinate. And these are conditions, side effects from those medicinal plants. And they would say that a lot of these medicines are really derived from nature. And the mere fact that the Philippines is so diverse, I would presume out of inference that we have so much input possibly to the pharmaceutical industry that remains untapped. And we need guys like our speaker who educate us on that matter. 
medicines, right? Like their their components are from natural things, right? Yes, and then from those natural substances, you can synthesize them artificially. Or you can synthesize them naturally, depending on which branch of chemistry you're dealing with. So yeah, I mean, you can get them from animals. Uh, there are these snails or these long mollusks that attach to the side of boats. They can live to 100, 200 years. And they have all these amazing antibiotics. Antibiotics that can kill these super bacteria. Super bacteria that can tolerate extremes in stress, whether they're fathoms down in the ocean or wherever they may be in harsh cold or harsh um, heat. That's, yeah, exactly. Like all that knowledge. And I find us, we find, I find ourselves repeating this um, every other episode. Like a lot of folks like Sir Noni and his father and other people up and down the Philippines, I'm sure they have that. They have, they might not know the scientific um, background, like what Chinkin said about these mollusks or these shells, right, Chinkin? Yeah. That, uh, he, he was bringing up all these, the properties and the bacteria that it targets, but maybe in a different way, they also know information like this, but in their own way, we, through years, you know, through the millennia passed down, oh, we tried this treatment. And um, so, you know, like, I agree. And I've, I've, I, I should pull up some of the research I've, I saw from time to time, I don't have it on hand, but there, people are synthesizing. I mean, I'm probably thinking you've probably seen more of that than I have, but they're putting it together. You know, the researchers are working with these folks, these abularios or indigenous people. They're, they're combining it, the data, and they're, they're sharing it. So I, um, hopefully there's more of that. Maybe we could even find more people to get to the nitty gritty and get species. Well, Sir Noni mentioned a few, but yeah, it's, it's beautiful. I, 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 I love, that was another part I loved about this interview. So thanks, Chinkin. Thank you for reminding us about the scientific part too. That was, that was really interesting what you were mentioning. The, now, um, the craze is on Lagundi and virgin coconut oil yes. for COVID. I mean, those sound good, but I'm not too optimistic about it. But if there's something I'd be optimistic about based on what Sir Noni said, it would be on Nyug Nyugan. If that's still in the second part, it's in the second uh. part. Okay, oh, I just got excited <laughs> because it felt it felt really relevant. So should you push that on later? Yeah. No, we can. Well, now we can move on to the second part of the interview, and then we'll be back for our commentary at the end. Now, maybe we can talk more about the edible weeds that we have around us. Can you give us some common examples, Mr. Noni? Yeah, sure. The common example of edible weeds, we have the... You are sure you know the dampalit? No. Uh, How, what does it look like? Uh, it's, it's something like uh, piperomia, but grows on the dikes of fish ponds near, near the shorelines. Very succulent leaf, very thick leaf, but small, tiny, narrow. Uh, they call it dampalit in Malabon or in Pampanga here. But in uh, Visayas, uh, we call it Olaseman or something. They are very excellent for putting into sinigang or making into achara. Very nice. 
up to now, it's used as achara in Malabon and in Pampanga. Dampalit. Dampalit. Okay, we, we will we will look it up so we can Oray. post a picture. Orai. 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 A weed called Orai. It's a variety of spinach, which the the the, the uh, people in Tagalog regions use for suman salihia that makes it green. It's also used for cooking, just like uh, vegetables. You saute it in garlic, and some oyster sauce or fish sauce, and it's good. It's a variety of spinach because here in the Philippines we have around. 204 species of wild spinach, which people don't. Wow. Yeah, a lot of them. And it grows in open fields. They're just wasted because they, they don't know anything about it. So they just plow it over. But they know it's good. If you know that it's edible, it's good. And then we have the, some weeds are also used for medicine. Like the botonis botonisan, it's more it's more efficacious than tawa tawa, which is another weed. It's this is how do you show this guy here in the photo, the cover of that book we have. This is botonis botonisan. Yeah, this is I I I had helped so many of my friends during the dinghy infection here two years ago or last years when you boil this you wash this through uh, very cleanly you wash it clean the roots and the leaves and everything you boil it and uh, give it as a tea for every three meals after every meal it helps in uh, raising the blood levels of the patients and uh, Miss, Mrs. Tariela, he had a friend who was a vice president of a bank. His son was already having blotches all over with because of dinghy. It, it was already an uh, advanced dinghy case. So I said, come over, I have plants here. And give this to him. At that time, I was, I think I was in China. He called me long distance. So give him three glasses of this every day and see for three days what happens. And uh, it was like a miracle, the doctors are surprised. How come your blood plates have increased? The white plates, have, white cells have increased so much. It was just through these weeds. What is the name again, Mr. Noni, of that weed? It's Butonis Butonisan, we call it. Butonis Butonisan. Yeah, because the, the, the fruits, it's, it's it's uh, like the, the leaves are triangular and the middle of the leaf is a white flower, like a ball, small ball. Yes. Good, that is. Yeah. Wow. And then we have uh, the Yampong. Yampong, your husband should know about it because he is from the south. And the Lupo Lupo, a very lupo, delicious lupo. Uh, weed also. Uh, very common in Bacolod, Iloilo, Bohol. And it's now sold as a vegetable in Pangasinan. It's, it's very glossy leaf, very small like uh, malunggay, but it's a creeper. 
it's a ground hogger and uh, it's excellent for cooking fish tinola or pork or whatever yeah amazing and how i i read in the article about your book that mm. you can also use the makahiya because that's very common right like what can yeah. you use that for makahiya it's uh more of more for medicinal medicinal purposes the roots the leaves and the roots can be pounded and it can be used as a poultice you know tapal or inflammations and uh, the roots are boiled also it can be an abortificant you know it can cause your uh, unwanted pregnancies used by the arbolarios to eradicate unwanted pregnancies and uh, there was an, a Filipino who made plenty of money in the States. You know how? He thought of an idea of bringing plantlets from the Philippines, grow it in his nursery there, and sold and advertised it. Here is the plant that responds to human touch. And sold it for a good sum of almost $50 a pot. And it was gobbled up because the children love to play with it, you know. When you touch it, it closes, the, the leaves closes, see? So, it's have many, many uses. Interesting. How, how can we get a hold of your book, Mr. Noni? Luckily, our book has run out of print. And we are thinking of uh, the Friends and Nature Society is assigning me to do a new book uh, with this sort of improvising the, the old book that we have with additional features, additional plants. Because I have discovered, based on my interviews with with uh, natives, I always roam the mountains. I have some I have a small piece of property in the highlands of Sierra Madre. And when I'm free, I always make it a point to interview the natives of the plants and their uses. And that's how I gained knowledge. I, I took the chieftain, the one who is uh, uh, acting as Alborlario in the tribe. I said, what are these plants used for? You'll be surprised without malice. I interviewed one, Dumagat. He was, she's a close friend of mine already. And he has three wives living in one roof, in one house. He had six children, and I said, without malice, how come you have three wives? What happens to you if the three wives who demand halimbawa? There's a secret, sir. What is the secret? After so many times asking him, I said, you know this tree, sir? I just get a small portion of the bark of this tree and put it under my tank. The tree is quite common and it's edible. It's a delicacy among the uh, the southern Tagalog people and the Bicolanos. Mm -hmm. What's the name of the tree? Uh, it's called, the vernacular is Niogan. Oh, okay. The leaves, the, in Quezon province, they cook the young leaves with sardines and uh, coconut milk. And very nice. 
and uh, the same in Bicol also. And I'm 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 still continuously doing interviews with the natives that I I met in my in my soirees and the bundok in the mountains. Yeah. So it's really knowledge from our indigenous peoples, no, Mr. Noni? Yes, yeah. It's knowledge that uh, they have kept among themselves. So if you happen to strike a friendly relations with them, they open up to you and they'll point out to you what are these. This is poison number one. This high poison, don't touch that. And this is highly edible and it's very nutritious and all these things. This is how they survive in the jungle. It's it's great learning experience to learn from them because these are knowledge that you cannot really get from books, you know? And uh, when my happened to interview one of the botanists in China, one of the, when I was uh, doing an, uh, an exhibition there in Sanya province, in Sanya city, and uh, they said, he, he became a quite close friend and he offered me, he gave me a book, very thick book. I said, here is a book you can read. And there are things, that, especially orchids, that are used highly for medicine. So it's added knowledge. And uh, it's not, it's not uh, a thing that is just hearsay because he made a detailed study. He's a president emeritus of the, one of the biggest universities in China. So it so happened that this particular orchid, Laos and uh, Cambodia, ran out of these plants because the Chinese all bought them for medicine. Wow. wow. Well, we, we hope you'll really come out with a new edition of your book. I hope it's very so. very much needed. Yeah. Yes, I hope so. And we'll we're trying to rush it for this to to come out with this new book this year. Oh, that's great! That's great if it will come out this year. Yes. Especially with everyone growing plants at home now. Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm just scared with this because of the crescent rays on plants. They just don't know that some plants are highly poisonous that they're collecting. You know. Some touch the the body of the plant, and uh, it can and touch it in your tongue. You can lose your vocal cords. You can lose your voice. Oh. Yeah, and beautiful ornamental plants like the Adelpha. You are familiar with Adelpha? Uh, it's it's a very uh, attractive plant, raised even by our grandparents before as ornamentals. I will make it as a fence on their houses. But be careful because if you have wounds in your body and you happen to cut that plant and the sap of that plant um, gets in contact with the wound, it can be fatal as a cobra bite. Wow. The same with the castor plant, castor oil plant. It has so much poison. And there is another vine. We call it anipai in, in Bohol. You know, the during uh, barrio dances, also, you know, they have this before, they don't have disco, disco only dancing, dancing like that. If the girl will refuse a gentleman who approaches them for a dance, and this gentleman is uh, very naughty, 
he would get the fruit of that vine and then wrap it in newspaper and then secretly just open a flashlight and direct it to the lady. Oh, that girl will roll down on the dance floor, scratch, scratching everything because it's so itchy. Oh my. Yes. <laughs> These are very interesting things that you should know. Yes, yes. And then I happened to experience, I was climbing up Mayon Volcano about many years ago when I was doing research on my book. I happened to meet three Americans and they said, what are you doing? I said, no, we are mountaineering. I said, but you are using the leaves of the tree. They were using the leaves of the tree as a mat to lie down on the grasses. I said, those are very poisonous. I said, no, we are veterans of Vietnam. We used to live in the forest and we never have experience like this. So I said, no, be careful. So after 30 minutes when I came down, they were all crying. All big people crying. What happened to you? They were all having sores all over the skin because they were only naked, almost naked. They were only on their briefs, lying on the mountain with the leaves. They happened to use the leaves of the lingatong, which is highly poisonous. And uh, good thing uh, my guide there said, okay, just I'll, I'll run to the village and get you something to use. Uh, we asked for grated coconut with, and they put a little salt or something like that and they rubbed it on their bodies and they were relieved of the the pain and the uh, itchiness because they were using the leaves of the tree lipa lipang aso and uh, it's very dangerous there's also a vine there's also a vine that's growing in the forest of the Sierra Madre it is similar to a very ornamental plant, but no one would dare touch. Then the native will never touch the plant, especially when the plants are dried. When it's dead and dried, it's so itchy when you touch it with your bare fingers. There's so many things. Some plants can be used, I think, for warfare if you can develop them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're very powerful. Plants very are... Powerful. Yes, yes. Yeah. Under plants are underestimated. Yeah, that's true. Underestimated, really. But there's wow. so many beneficial uses too. And you will never go hungry if you know which plants to eat. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Actually, this week, uh, it was my first time to taste talinum. Talinum. I suppose. Yes. I suppose it's more. You know, pe uh, more people know that it's edible, but for me, it's my first time to taste it this week. And ah. it's, it's yummy. It's just like spinach. It's like a combination of spinach and okra almost. Yes, yes, yeah. With a little sour taste. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, it's good. And it just grows so easily. There's also this weed, very attractive. They call the Lucanus, call it Borbotak. Or it's... Painters, we a uh, painter's brush weed. It grows into a small, uh, about one foot long, with flowers that droops down like paint brushes, small paint brushes. Beautiful colors. The leaves are very tasty when cooked, as uh, cooked with young coconut. Uh, I mean, coconut milk cooked like uh, this. Uh, what is this dish called with, with gabi leaves? 
is nice and this grow along along fields plenty the roadside but people don't pay attention to them because they think it's just a weed but uh, it's it's really it's being served by the restaurants in Tagaytay by Sonia's garden I think We'll definitely look for pictures of these weeds that you mentioned so our listeners can, you know, identify them when they see them. Yeah, I can give you pictures uh, of the plants. Oh, thank you. And now you have your farm in Antipolo, is that right? Yeah. And do you accept visitors or is it just for yourself? No, I accept visitors and I want to impart knowledge for those who would be interested to it's more of teaching it's voluntary if they want to learn about what this plant is or how to grow this plant I'm, i oblige and especially i encourage young children or young young younger uh, individuals who are interested in plants because we should actually cultivate the love for plants among the young uh, youngsters yes how do they find you how will people find you if they want to visit your farm i'm here in number five uh mockingbird street inside francisville subdivision Sumulung highway uh it's very close to the new central mall it's okay. just at about 30 minutes without traffic from Kubao area actually then you okay. eat a lot of different plants and then Orchids, ferns, come what may, vines, uh, exotic vines, and all that that I grow for my pleasure. Yeah. Great, if great. I invite you to any of you at that time, please go drop by. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, sure. Bring your husband along. Yes, yes. When well, I suppose when the pandemic settles down. That's right. When it, this thing is over, then let's have a little picnic in my in my small farm. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mr. Nonito Dolera, for this very important knowledge about our edible weeds in the Philippines. And now, back to our katanumers. So that was a lot of uh, very practical information about the weeds that we can see around us, right? Like the... Butos, butones, butonesan. I see that all the time in our food forest. The one with the white flower in the middle. Because I think it, it's because it looks like a button. Kaya siguro. Butones, butonesan. So, um, talinum. Have you guys tried the talinum? Uh-oh. We put them in pasta, in salads. Yeah. Thank you for that. <laughs> it was our first time to try it. Like I said in the interview, last week or this past week and we just cooked it like spinach and mm-hmm. it's really you know like i'm i'm surprised that we really just lost this wealth of information about our weeds the like talinum grows so easily it's a weed it's really you plant it it just spreads right and i think it's unfortunate that we this information hasn't been passed down. But it's good that we have people like Sir Noni who are working in this field and hopefully they'll be able to publish that book again this year. 
it's quite interesting also that you've gotten feedback, fan mail, on how talinum is used in the restaurant industry, right? Yes, yes. Well, I don't know if they use it for their restaurant, but mm-hmm. so I have this um, high, high school classmate. So I posted about talinum on Facebook, and then she said na they grow it also. So they own this chain of restaurants in Manila. And she was so excited about talinum. Like, they use it exactly like spinach. Like, for, for cheese and spinach dip. Just to stir-fry it with garlic. So, it's just like spinach talaga. So, I, that's great. I mean, instead of, instead of people or Filipinos struggling to grow spinach, diba? like the regular spinach or the more popular spinach. You have, we have this. We have talinum. Yeah, when he mentioned that there are 200, 200 species of wild spinach. And I only know talinum through you guys. <laughs> I'm like, what? We love spinach too. We put it in everything. And pwede pala. Pwede pala siyang makuha as, you know, as a weed or as a, like, it's, it's much easier to propagate and to grow because it's a weed. It's crazy. And now at least we, we know that some people already are aware of talinom and are using it in that way. Um, I'm sure it's much cheaper. It's more sustainable. Um, and, and hopefully, um, I guess that would be really nice if restaurants would find more native local species that could, they could use um, to for for the rest for their menu, um, and highlight that and educate their customers about you know these local weeds or local plants, deba. Right? That would be nice. It's amazing because you know how in foreign countries they tell you, oh, this pea soup is this flavor because of the season or when it was harvested or when the moon was full and it brought out this dew or whatnot. Um, but what if you tasted something like a talinum soup? And it's talinum because of this variety, and it was strengthened by another variety, and they added 198 other pieces of leaves from different kinds of species. And, you know, it's a talinum fiesta. Probably an explosion in your mouth. <laughs> talinum explosion. <laughs> I mean, I, that that kind of connects to the whole story. Like, it would be, you know, they say farm to table. It would be great to see the stories come to the table too. Uh, it would be, I could already imagine it. You're right, Chinkin, like, you have a lot of that. I remember even in San Francisco, my cuento yung server, when they serve you, oh, for a second course, we have quail egg over yonder, or whatever, <laughs> I don't know what they call them. Pero there's like, then they have a story behind it. This is from this place. And so, so I would love to see a lot of that here like in Manila restaurants and, and for people to say, oh, here's our talinom soup and this is harvested from Bacolod. <laughs> and there are, you know, I, w- I would love to hear more of that, especially if it's from, you know, stories like Sir Noni or even on the menu, like if there was something on the menu, my cuento. Some restaurants have that, but I wish all of them did, if, especially if they were mindful about where they, where they source their, their food. When you get coffee and you source it, oh, this is from the Cordillera Mountains. It has a nice mellow flavor. It's been roasted for this long. You should be able to be able to get that for our plants as well, right? 
one of the key takeaways for me from this interview was how it actually is very easy to grow our own food if we know what's actually edible and what's not and what naturally grows here in our country. So I think this kind of knowledge is very important and timely for people to know that we can be self-sufficient. We can actually grow our own food without worrying so much about, you know, pests. You know, weeds don't get pests, right? And they just naturally grow. So I think it's something that we need to reclaim. So I have a question for you. Like, if I ask you to do a challenge, um, for tomorrow's lunch, we eat a full meal based on the weeds in our forest, mm-hmm. in our food forest. Mm-hmm. Is that possible, you think? It is possible. We'll have like a veggie dish. Because I know already that we have two edible weeds. Okay. Based on, because before I had this like um, weed Wednesday or when, like I post weeds about weeds uh, every Wednesday on my Instagram account. And then there was, uh, I have a follower who's become a friend, Simedi, who commented, oh, you can actually eat that. It's a pretty weed. It's a, it has a purple flower. So they're very small. And then she, she harvests those and then she fer- ferments them in some way. I don't know how yet, but, you know, that's, we have that in abundance, you know, without any involvement from me. Like, I didn't have anything to do with it. And then we have Talinum. And then I also noticed this, or, well, I paid attention to this vine that was growing on one of our walls. So our daughter, Sophia, actually pointed it out to me uh, before. And then I was like, okay, it's just a weed that I probably have to deal with. And then since I had more time last Wednesday, I actually looked at it. And then I saw that it had a fruit. And then so I took the fruit and then I opened it and it smelled exactly like passion fruit. Oh, wow. So I was so tempted to eat it, to taste it, but I'm like, I probably shouldn't. You know, I just smelled it and it smelled like passion fruit. Everything about it, but it was just so tiny. And then when I got home, I read up about it and it's called stinking, stinking passion fruit. <laughs> because, oh, wow. And it's, it's a weed that grows you know, abundantly everywhere. It's stinking passion fruit because the leaves, when you crush it, it, it's, it has a foul smell. But the fruit, when it's, uh, when it's ripe, you can actually eat it. But when it's not ripe, it's toxic. It has cyanide. Oh, so, wow. Yeah. Cyanide. So I, I have to, you know, I have to figure out when it's actually ripe and I know I should get some professional opinion or expert opinion on it. Yeah, with that said, and Cernoni mentioned a few poisonous plants in this part. Um, he mentioned uh, there was one plant that uh, you can lose your voice now. I, Adel- Adelpha is one of them? Yeah, Adelpha. Yeah. Oh, um, so, and it's tough because all these plants are so, we, there's so much to discover and I wish I can just go somewhere and just put them all in my mouth at once, <laughs> but no. no. <laughs> so with that said, um, to all you listeners, when especially this episode and other episodes when we mention eating certain plants or especially weeds, um, 
please consult any professional before doing so. Do some prior research. Um, actually, first of all, don't put it in your mouth. <laughs> don't consume it, them in any way. But do your um, research. Contact people, your local, you know, um, here in the Philippines, the DNR, um, so on and so forth. So they can guide you on what's edible and what is not. Because it's, unfortunately, there's so much, there's so many stories, there's so much information in, in, infused, so to speak, in these plants. But unlike the medicine bottles at, you know, the pharmacy or, or prescribed by a doctor, there's no, no one really to guide you about the pharmacy of, the, of our forest or of our urban gardens. So we have to be cautious. Um, and it's, I'm just so happy that we have Cernoni and we have these episodes where we can really, as a, it can be a venue for those discoveries and those sorts of discussions to really get to know them and see which ones are really good for us and yeah, to ensure our health. So, Thank you, Albert, for that. I think that that's very important to mention to our listeners. Like we're all learning from each other as well, especially from our speakers. Um, we're very happy to have, to have talked to Sir Noni um, and he had a lifetime uh, dealing with or like discovering edible weeds. For me, sadly, we, we don't have um, accessible like place that's accessible to us where you can actually forage and you know look at weeds and look at um random plants everywhere um that's that's i feel like that's an enjoyable thing to do but again as our katanumers already said um it's important that uh, we don't consume them right away um find credible sources for them and um, we can appreciate them, but also have that very curious, you know, citizen scientist vibe uh, and attitude and, and make sure that you, you know what you're collecting or you know what you're uh, touching. Because sometimes I, I think other plants are also very, very itchy. Diba mention ni Sir Noni na this... This anecdote about the the GIs uh, in the forest and stuff. That's really um, a funny story. Um, but yeah, it's it happens all the time. I mean, ako pag pumunta siguro ako sa gupat, I don't know what what to touch, what not to touch, what to eat, whatever. But I, I hope at some point in our lives, we do have more access to forests and um, green spaces so we can enjoy discovering these things um as sir noni was sharing all these edible weeds i was also typing was searching them on google ano kayo chura nito like yung buto botonesan yon medyo familiar siya to me but i'm not sure if it was the same weed that was i was familiar with back home mga ganon um so uh, he even mentioned uh, a vegetable that's in pangasinan Loko-loko. Loko-loko I think it's lupo-lupo, no? Um, Did you ever come across that? I, I don't even know what it is. Or baka nakikita ko siya sa palengke, pero hindi... Yun nga, it looks like just some random plant lang or weed. Hindi siya yung typical vegetable mo, ba? But yeah, apparently it's, it's eaten there as well. So... Um, Marami pang pwedeng ma-discover 
actually there's just a wealth of of flora and fauna um, in in the Philippines that we we have yet to discover or our, our scientists are already discovering but um, we're learning along so yeah I wish there was like an easy way you know, to know these things like if there was a website that you can or I don't know how do I we hope, how do we get the yung, yung book ni Sir Noni would be really great if some parts of it are free for people to to go to um, like if it's on a website or if it's on a Facebook page with you know the appropriate information and photo and I don't know if Sir Noni is digital savvy, FB savvy. If he's online, he can be uh, responding to questions from yeah. people like the online communities, diba? From Lian's episode then. Um, that would be great. That would be really nice. Because eh, before uh, all the knowledge from his father, it was oral tradition. Nawala na siya. And now we have an opportunity to um, save all that information. He, he's already doing it. Um, and, and that's why he put it in, in a book. And it would be um, m- much more helpful to more people if it's, if it's out there in, in, a, in a way that's more digestible. Um, people are, can access it and can learn from it. And can you know spark that interest in them to to learn more about these native weeds? It would be awesome to actually come up with a pocket field guide. You have a picture, you know, you give it to kids, you orient them during nature camps, you give it to adults before they go on a trail somewhere in you know wherever, like in Los Baños yeah. or in Bohol, wherever, yeah. even in Mindanao, and so that. This is what's local, endemic or area. Watch out for these. This is how you learn. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love that. I'd love to see that. Parang pocket, ano, no? pocket guide. Yeah, and, and imagine mo, it has Albert's art. Mm-hmm. It has the right up and all that. <laughs> <Or Joe's> art. <laughs> <laughs> With chickens, ano, scientific background then He can yes. put oh, oh, the scientific Uh-oh. names. Oh, and Marcel's, I know, she can communicate this through PR. <laughs> Media company na tayo, guys. <laughs> but I agree. I feel like Cernoni can do, if I, I remember him mentioning it's, it, they're planning another painting, but it might be a while. Maybe in the meanwhile, in the meantime, um, he can make, like Chicken said, some sort of primer with like 10 pictures, 10 pictures pulled from the book. There are there pictures. Have you seen it, Joe? Did he show it? He to you? he actually said he'll send us some pictures for the Beautiful. the weeds that he mentioned. Perfect. That's a I start. Mean, it's not like top ten most wanted people in the Philippines, not like that. But you know, it's like top ten things that you should know. Like this one, you can eat this. You're hungry. Look for this in your patient in your in your patients in your neighbor's backyard. <laughs> You know, you'll never <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'll be addressing yeah. I, I wonder if other countries also have this like problem or issue of losing this kind of knowledge or if it's because we were colonized and then we were forced to learn a different kind of, you know, knowledge. That huh? could be a part of it, I think. But you know, 
um, I haven't read up so much on it, but Thailand, for example, has very good culture, has a very good culture of preserving their own species and of plants for agriculture. Um, and they're also like, it's really a lot of support from the government and it's been a long-term plan for mm-hmm. them to, for people to know about what they have. Uh, when it comes to species and agriculture. So I think maybe I'll try to research on that some more. Um, yeah, but the the main things for me is that, one, it's a sustained effort with subsidy, you know, it's and, and people actually take pride in those things. Um, and so if you have that support and if you have that pride in what you have in... in, in uh, and agriculture is something that's really considered a priority, then it should be like that's that's a very good model model for sustainable um, agriculture and sustainable uh, food supply. Yeah, actually, yeah, you could let us know when you look into that because I over I remember hearing then about um, a project in Thailand yata or somewhere in in mainland Southeast Asia, Laos or Cambodia or something around those areas where there's a, a monarch who was really, maybe this is the same project. So what they did was they really, they conserved this like mountainous area somewhere there. And it, they have all these, you know, certain species and they, they, subs- they subsidized it, it was government supported. Um, and there were indigenous groups. There are indigenous people in these areas and they actually worked with them to cultivate their lands, um, not only for a source of agriculture, but it also became an ecotourism uh, destination. And we, it became very popular now that it really, it's a big, a big chunk of like GDP, but it's a really big, it benefited everybody. It benefited everyone from the government to the indigenous, indigenous peoples, to the tourists, to the locals who, f- who fed off the food. It was just everything. It, Two birds with one, hindi one stone. That's two birds with feed. Two birds with one seed. Yun <laughs> lang para it's not like violent. So it's like um, that's that's evidence that it, it works and it's. Um, I know we're starting from talking about an informational guide or something, but this is like big deal, world changing stuff. If everyone puts their hands, everyone all hands on deck, they. They, everyone's involved and it's inclusive and the government to the local farmer to um, the richest business person. It doesn't matter if, if everyone is involved, it can benefit everybody. So, uh, yeah, if you, look, if you find information on that, Paka, you can share, with, share it with us in another episode. Yeah, we'll yeah. do that. That's in Thailand. So the queen of Thailand, she has an advocacy against drugs. So there are mountains in northeastern part of Thailand that used to be plantations for illicit drugs. I mean, plant okay. sources for illicit drugs. So they slashed it down. They gave people there an opportunity to have their own new livelihoods and poured in a lot of vegetation for the ecotourism part. And um, it's a beautiful park. It's funny though, when you go to the park, like there are those yellow bells. They flood the gates. It's all yellow bells all over. And... A Thai colleague of ours told us that, you know, there's no more marijuana, but those bells, you put it in tea, it's still good <laughs> enough for the people there. 
Are those the same yellow bells? They are. <laughs> here? Yes. That's common here. Yes. Those <laughs> inverted things. <laughs> Again. Again. <laughs> yes. Do your research. You know. <laughs> but oh yeah, so that's it. Yeah, that's oh that was another aspect to it. They, it was to fight like a, a drug issue in the community. Wow, that's see. So yeah, and it's very multifaceted and oh, but yeah, that that would make a great. I know it's a case study for DNR or any um, any agency around the world. You know that's working with the problem of sustainability and food security and all that stuff and drug issues at the same time, you know. So yeah, that's good. So there you have it, our episode on edible weeds. We hope you found it informative and entertaining. And we hope that after this episode, these plants that we call weeds and just so easily ignore or dismiss and walk on, we hope that these plants will look differently to us. Will I, for, I for one, have started wondering, you know, who started calling these plants weeds? I mean, I, I doubt that our indigenous peoples in the mountains actually call these plants weeds, right? It's something to think about. Anyway, we'll be sharing photos of the weeds mentioned in this episode on Facebook and Instagram. So you can search Tanum Tuesdays on both platforms and you can join us there uh, so we can continue this conversation. Before we go, I would just like to remind everyone again to please do not eat any of the weeds or plants that we mentioned in this episode and in our other episodes for that matter. Please do not eat them or taste them without consulting your doctor first or a health professional. Please seek uh, the advice of an expert before being so adventurous with the plants around you. It's great to appreciate them and to uh, have this information that we shared, but please be responsible before uh, tasting anything or eating anything or putting anything under your tongue or whatnot. We want you to be safe and we don't want you to get sick or, or hurt. That said, thank you so much for listening, for sending in your reviews of the show, for sending in comments or even questions. We love getting questions from our listeners please feel free to send us a message over on Facebook or Instagram or email at thenoomtuesdays at gmail.com. So till next time, that will be two Tuesdays from now. Please take care and bye. From Manila, this is Albert. This is Rosal. Keep growing. And from Bacolod, it's Joanne. And Chinkin. Keep planting. <laughs>